Can we do Kaddish after? Um, all right, so so now. I don't feel like I know it well, but we did it. <laughs> anyway. Um, Okay, so wait and see how things are going to happen because he's not going to rest until he does it. In other words, she knows that he's somebody who is not who, who is a man of action. So he's not going to leave. He's not going to brush things off and wait. First of all, you've gotten his juices flowing, so to speak. You've gotten him excited on that end. So you you got him personally interested in the situation, and he made a promise, and he's not somebody to. He's going to hit while the iron is hot because now he wants this also. Now he's interested. Okay? She convinced him, persuaded him. He's on board. And it's not something he's going to delay because he's a person of action. A person who is lazy, a person who resists doing something. Why does a person resist doing something? Either because they're conflicted about doing it, you know, or because it requires overcoming their their instincts to, to, to be able to do it. In other words, it's either a lack of desire to do the thing, a lack of commitment to the objective, or because the person lacks the discipline, right? Meaning they have their uh, their in their desire for instinctual gratification, immediate gratification, is holding them back from, let's say, completing an assignment, right? So, right. In other words, what so he's now sold on the cause, and he's overcome whatever resistance he would have. So she says, "There's nothing holding him back." He's not a person that lacks discipline. That's is the ishkai giborchai, right? And he's committed to the plan, so nothing's going to hold him back. He's going to do it right away, and that's what he does. Just one pasuk. The shah was always where the elders met. Okay? They always hung out there. Which means basically unknown guy. It doesn't really name him. That's why the Pshat Mepharshim say the Tov isn't really his name. But the fact that Chazal say that is to say that he was interested in his own Tov. Right? So, uh, in any case, which is a contrast with everyone else in the story. So he, he sat down. So you see that Boaz was a macher, right? like they call him a big macher, because he's telling everyone, okay, you sit down here, you do that. Right? He's instructing everybody what to do. They sit down. So that's what they used to do when you were destitute, that's what you did for money. You sold the real estate that was your ancestral uh, uh, inheritance. So she sold it. He's telling him, look, I said to myself, you are first, you have right of refusal, you want to redeem it, redeem it. And the guy says, I'll take it. Right? It's worth it. He's going to get it for a good price. He, it's a, he has nothing to lose from uh, purchasing the field. Vayomer Boaz, I forgot to mention something. Right, it should be Kanita. But he says Kaniti. Right? So that's a Freudian slip in the uh, in the Ketiv. Right? So the Nachalato. So meaning you can't just take the, the, the you can't just erase Naomi and her family from the picture that wouldn't be the purpose of the Geula of the land even though halachically it's correct that the uncle is supposed to acquire the land to keep it in the family so that the so that the Nachala remains in the family and even though technically it's true that Yibum wouldn't really be a, a, applicable in this case either because Ruth hadn't converted first before she married Machlon which is possible if you learn like Rashi or she did but this is not really her husband's brother either way it's not really relevant the issue of Yibum 
Yet in spirit, the idea of erasing him from his nachala is still wrong. It's still not the right spirit of the uh, in principle. But erasing Naomi and the whole family, that whole branch of the family. No, he's really offering it to him. He obviously is hoping or thinks. Okay, I would say he, he thinks, but he thinks that the guy won't take it. But he also wants that the guy won't take it. And how do I know that? Because the Ketib says, Kaniti. Right? Meaning that shows you what he really, what really he's already preempting the answer that I'm going to do. Okay? He offered him an out. He said, you don't have to buy the field at all. But if you do... I mean, you're going to buy it. Right. Exactly. He slipped. It's a Freudian slip, which shows you, you know, the real, the real thought. Okay? Okay? Right now, the Lee is. What? What? Why would he have to? Because it was sold. It was sold to an alien per, outside person. They have to buy it. The mitzvah in the Torah. If you look, you know, in the Torah it says that if you sell the the family's property, you're supposed to buy it back, right? It's in Parashat Bechukotai, uh, I want to say Behar Bechukotai, somewhere around there. Um, see. Right, and it talks about the calculation. Right? But basically, it's supposed to, you're supposed to redeem. And there's another Pasuk, though, where it says, uh, uh, right. Where is that pasuk? Yeah, same thing. I mean, okay, we get the point. There's another pasuk that mentions it in the, when it talks about the nachala of the division of the uh, of the thing. But the point is that the Torah tells you to do that to keep it in the family, right? To keep the nachalot divided among the shvatim properly, among the families uh, properly. What's the connection of buying the land and marrying? Them? There isn't normally. That's what I'm saying. Even though halachically they're two separate issues, right? He's saying, but we're going to do it. I Meaning, you see that Boaz is the kovea here because you can't make something. But the point is, he's saying, in spirit, it's wrong to buy it back when Naomi is still here. Buy it back from under her. Leave her no sherit. Leave her no uh, continuity. You know, no legacy, and just buy it back. But she doesn't get it. You get it. That's what you know. It's not um, not right. So you have to also marry Ruth so that there's some. Sherit for the family. And he says, I can't do that, but again, the Ketib takes out the word Li from it. Right? It says Lig Oli, but in the Ketib it just says Lig Ol. Right? But, but the idea of the Li there is it's emphasizing his own interests, right? Yeah. Right. No, what's left out of the text? Lig. The Vav. Oh, the Vav. What about the Li? Oh, it's not there? It's the same pronunciation. So what's the reason? Wait, what's in the Ketib? Do we have a thing? Oh, there is a Li because it doesn't show it in my, ca- in my thing. Okay. Um, it doesn't show it in the Quran. It just says Li Gol without the Bab. Okay. Okay. I can't do it. 
I know of different pasuk. What? There is no lead. There is no lead. Okay, I was right. There's one. It's one, one line down. One line down. They took out the Lee, right? Um, in the I have um, in Vav I have Vayomer Goel Lo Uchal Ligoli, right? Penashchitet Nachalati. But it says on the side Ligol without the Lee. What do you have? Legal. Oh, but it doesn't take out the lee. It's there. Okay. All right. So in any way, in any case, he repeats himself a little bit, which makes it sound like, to me, sounds like a little bit of hesitation. Right? It says, Why does it have to say twice? Right? It almost sounds like hesitation. I usually interpret that as a sort of a little bit of a frenzied situation. He doesn't know what to do. He's not exactly sure. The chaz- Right, yeah, right. You have to decide right now. The ten people are here, so you have to. Make, it's like what Natana Navi does with Bacheva, where he goes in. He's like, "Did you say that uh, Adonia was supposed to be the king?" Because uh, you know, and so he set it up that he had to say something on the spot. Yeah. So, so he can't say. Well, let's talk about it later. Uh, I'm not right now. Yeah. Because that would have left Adonia in in, in power. So the. Um, so in any case, so the um, so this guy, according to Chazal, if I'm not mistaken, and probably probably Rashi brings it, he said I can't. The additional, first of all, he already had a, a wife, so he didn't want to lashkidat nachalat on his own kids. He didn't want to introduce somebody new. So in that case, he's similar to Onan, meaning lo lo yehazara. I mean, I'm going to establish a legacy for somebody else, but it's going to take away from my own kids and take away from my own family. But there's also a Chazal that says that he, he held that Moab, I'm not allowed to marry a Moabiyak because it's Asur. And, Moab, and Boaz was Doresh that day, Moab, Moabi below Moabiyak. Moabiyak is allowed because they're not included in the, uh, in the Isur. Only a Moabi is included. And therefore it was allowed, right? That's, is, does Rashi say that? I think so, right? Right. He made a mistake. He didn't know that really that wasn't true. Right. Even though she was in Moabia. But okay, same thing. Right. The point is, what's the... What, so why didn't... Uh, so why didn't uh, Boaz just say, oh, by the way, that's... Uh, you're wrong. It's... Uh, Moabia is not a good... He just made a mistake? That's what it is? Right, the halakha had been established, it was a machloket, right? But, you know, the, the thing is, it was going to be complicated because she's from Moab, so it was sort of like a lot of people, that's the thing, it was a stigma. In other words, people were looking at it from the perspective of a stigma against Moab, a social stigma. Right? You could have said, "Well, it's not going to look good. I'm marrying a Moab." There are a lot of people that hold that you're not allowed to do that, and then people are going to look at me that I'm illegitimate. He had a lot of reasons, so he also had to clarify the halacha. What is the reason why Moabi v'lo Moabia? Because the reason was because of the actions that they took politically against the Jews of hiring Bilam, and also that they didn't go out which is not something that the women would have been doing. It's something that the men would have done, a public activities. So the women weren't held responsible for that. So the, the question is whether 
Moavi is an ethnic, I mean, basically the whole ethnicity is banned. They're only the men because they are, you know, because of that chet. So, you know, the, the, the ethnicity was not, wasn't a pogen, basically, was the point. But people looked at it as a, a taboo. And, and, and Ruth is actually the ultimate example of a tikkun for the flaw of Moab, because she's a kula chesed. Everything is chesed, and the problem with Moab was no chesed. In fact, what was the, the Moab and Ammon, why are they treated so harshly? Because why do Moab and Ammon even exist? They only existed because Abraham Avinu taught Lot to do chesed. And therefore, because he did achnasat urchim and chesed, and he was, he was doing outreach, basically, which one, one of the ideas that I had suggested for a reading of the whole story of Lot and Avram that, that this past year I had mentioned in one of our chats was that he was kind of part of... It wasn't just that Lot was like, to heck with you, I don't want to be part of this anymore. He said, I'm going to go do some, uh, some Kiruv work. And, <coughs> and, and obviously he wasn't very successful, but the idea is that his achnasat urchim, which it's, even Rashi says, lamad me'avram avinu, right? Because of that, that was the whole zechut that he was saved. And then what happens, his own progeny and children didn't do chesed and be, have a karatatov to the Jewish people that, you know, Avram's children. Right? Avram's own children, they didn't do chesed when the whole reason why they existed, survived, Sodom was because of chesed. Right? Anyway, so... <coughs> So Ruth is really mitakenet, you know, this film. She comes from Moab, and, and, and yet she's coming as chesed. She's coming, yeah, everything, she's taking care of Naomi, she's, yeah, she's taking care of Naomi, and, and cares about the future of the Jewish people, okay? So it's a, that shows you, but that, you could also say, well, that actually goes to show you that the Moaviot are not like the Moavim, you know? That proves the thing. Anyway, all right. So, um, so what does he say next? Uh, oh, this is very interesting. The halacha of of, of Kenyan Khalipin right, is learned from this. You know the Kenyan Sudar, it's called whatever it's called. Khalipin. Bevezot lefanim biYisrael ala geulav ala tmura lekayim kol davar shalaf ish naalov natan reu, which of course again you could say evokes the idea of chalitza very much you know even though it's not it, it, the whole Yibum theme this isn't it's like more like Yibum but this was the, the demonstration in Israel when you wanted to make a Kinyan but there was no tangible object you did Chalipin we still do it we do, when we when we when a when a, a, a Chatan right is Mizaket to his wife the rights of the Ketubah he does it by lifting a Sudar it's called Kinyan Sudar right it's not always a Sudar it's usually a Kippah or a pen right that you give him yeah you give him, it has to be a kli. Give him a kli. So there's a machloket. Who gives to who? Is the makne the one who is supposed to lift it up? Or is it the kone that lifts it up? In other words, what's, so the, the question is, and, and actually I think that Ibn Ezra, he brings both possibilities, Ibn Ezra. He brings both possibilities of which it could be, and the, and the Gemara argues about which it, which it is. But the halakha is that the makne is the one that lifts the item. Right? Yeah. So, but, but the, what's the machloket? The machloket is, is the symbolic kinyan symbolic money or symbolic the object being acquired meaning if it's symbolic money so then if I'm the makne I have to take it and lift it that I took the money I took this pen as a substance of the money and I'm makneti if it's that the object being transferred is symbolized by the object then it has to go to the kone whatever the point was that they used this as a legal method of acquisition in cases where the physical there was no tangible item to be transferred or tangible money Okay, so the idea of Kinyan Khalipin was very uh, ancient. It existed in Tanakh. Okay? 
still used all the time for all kinds of kinyanim when we when we when we're makneh something. Um, even if you're makneh, for example, if a person uh, wants to make iruv tavshilin for the entire community or any other thing like that, they're supposed to be makneh to the community. You can't just say I, you can't just read out of the art scroll. I do this for everybody in the city. That doesn't work. You have to be makneh the iruv to everybody in the city. You have to hand it to somebody else who receives it on behalf of them. And you know, is, is is saying I'm receiving it and not Don't ask me. I do it with somebody in my house who does the kinyan. You're like, yeah, that's not really a kinyan chalibin because it's actually the thing. But you know, but the, but kinyanim are used all the time for uh, different reasons. Might have to be. Oh, I know one that case when when the uh, when the. Um, uh, when when you do pitin, you have to be makna the items to the to the uh, to the to the husband who's doing the divorce has to belong to him. You know, there, there's th- times when we use like the instrument of kinyan chalibin. All right, so vayomer goel leboaz kinelach. So you get the you know he says acquire for you vayishlof nalo. And again, we don't know who took off whose shoe and all. Doesn't matter. Vayomer boaz laskenim b'chol ha'am. Okay. <laughs> May you have children from this uh, woman and build a house in Israel. Is this the one of the only times that the emo refers to the Yeah, together. Well, even the yeah. Oh, they're mentioned in the lists of the children all the time. Like in this last week's parasha, I mentioned the Bnei I mean, there's Rachel Mivakat Banea. Right, that's one. I don't remember Leah anywhere. Rachel, yes. Sarah, yes. Remember Avradetin Yishayahu. Remember the stone from which you were hewn. Right, Abraham and Sarah. Tochol Elchem. Right. So you have, but not often. And I saw somebody say, Sarah Henkin said that. That you know, people usually when they do a bracha for their daughters on Shabbat night, they do Yisimech Elohim Kesarav So Rav Henkin said, unlike the biblical bracha for boys, which is written in the Torah, there is no bracha for girls mentioned. So he actually said, he instead of saying that, he would say this pasuk to his. Da- he said this pasuk that uh, he said. Um, uh, no, it wasn't this pasuk. It was. Um, oh yeah, he said. That's what he would say. Right. So he says that the um, the the Torah says that that were described as people of Chayil, right? Because she was called Eshet Chayil At, and he was called Gibor Chayil. Right, so they're going to combine their great being people of accomplishment, people of action. Right, Ukrashem bebeit lachem, and you'll have a name. Ukrashem, they will have a, they will be a prominent in Beit Lachem. Okay, 
So it's a blessing for them to create a household that's going to make a difference. That's going to that's going to be impactful in 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 Israel. Vayikach Boaz. I'm sorry, I skipped. There's an explicit connection back to the story of Yehuda and Tamar. That's the only place that, as far as I know, here's another interesting linguistic phenomenon, where it says he gave her herayon. He gave her pregnancy. It's a very unusual language. Implying almost what? That it wasn't natural, meaning that it was like, that really Boaz wasn't so fertile because, right, yeah, that he never had had children before and maybe because, maybe because, oh, and which also is indicated by the fact that he's sleeping at the Goran. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if Boaz had a wife, had a family, he probably wouldn't be sleeping. He was like a bachelor, he was like an old bachelor, right? So he never had children before, assuming he even had a wife, which maybe he did not, but the sounds like God gave her the pregnancy, meaning it was facilitated. It was uh, IVF, uh, divine IVF, um, or something. But Without yeah. knowing anything that comes after this, anything about David, why invoke Yudan Tamar here? Because why, he's why descended. That, he's descended. Why is that part of the bracha? Why just, just going back to our? Uh, yeah, yeah, good question. Oh, oh, because seemingly the ha- the family of Peretz was a very illustrious family because you see that that, that Boaz, being this big shot, is from the Bet Peretz. So apparently they were very, very. Illustrious because uh, that's why they were so influential and important. So he's just saying it would be like if somebody blessed you, uh, you're, you're like from, a you're a Rothschild. Oh, you should be like the Rothschilds and be very successful. You know, even you, know, you're the one Nebuch case that you know doesn't have any. Is it, not that he was, but I'm, you know, you're going back to the history. So, now here's an interesting. Baruch Hashem, right? And. Right? So basically, it's, they're saying that when the child was born, they said, you're not missing a Goel, you're not missing a Redeemer. And he should be for you for a Meshiv Nefesh. We'll give you a, finally give you the peace that you were seeking. Because the one who, was, who you love, your daughter-in-law that you love, has given birth to him, who is better for you than seven sons, meaning she's like your son who has now given you a grandson. Right? So it's showing you that the direct connection, it's really about Naomi. And then, Patikach Naomi at the Yelet. Penina. Yeah, Penina. No, Chana. Asarabani. Asarabani. No, no, it's oh. What is the... Uh, oh, so he's better than ten sons. No, who has... No, um... Uh, uh, maybe Eov. Maybe he has uh, seven. Yeah. Okay. 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 So what does that show you? It shows you that it was really seen as the mamshikh of 
Naomi, and he's called Oved. And I, the, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, I don't know if you have Ralph Bag. I think the Ralph Bag says why was he called Oved because he was born to such righteous parents. His dad was so old, and his mom was so righteous that he's going to become an Oved Hashem because he's going to be raised. You know that's why he's called Oved, not just because he works. Now it almost sounds like a, he's a worker. He's a why would he be called Oved? It means Oved Hashem. It doesn't mean Oved that he's going to work hard. Huh? Do you have Ralbag there? I think, I think he says it. Maybe the Ibn Ezra says it. One of those two. I can't remember. Okay, let's say Kaddish. We didn't understand. Who are you reading? Oh. Do you have the Ralbag on there? Or Ibn Ezra on it? I think there is one. It's not here for a lot of For what? Ralbag? He doesn't write a lot on Ruth. It's very short. Nothing on here? On Oved? Um, maybe Ibn Ezra. Yeah, here it is. It's Ibn Ezra. Sorry. Yeah. So he says, he says because meaning he did to honor Hashem at his own name, right? Kivod Hashem meaning Kivod Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Vegam ha'em azvad datavaretz molata vechasta betzel kenaf Hashem. Meaning they were both such righteous people. Therefore, Alken Yehaben Oved Hashem. Ki Rubei Abanim Domim La'av Ule'em. Ki Hemesh Orashi. Right, that's the right. Ibn Ezra. And it's interesting because originally Naomi was telling them what to call her name. Call my name... Mara. Now they're calling. They're they're the ones calling the name. Oh, right, saying to her, a child has been born to Naomi. Right, and they called his name Oved. They gave him his name. It sounds like the women gave him his name. That says Vatikrena. Worthwhile to have a child, it would be a real obed Hashem because it, it was it would have been a chaval for Naomi and Boaz not to have a child. Yeah, and she says they will renew your life, sustain your old age, etc. etc. Right? But it's interesting that they didn't say a goel had been with a woman, the, the women said to her, I mean, English, but the woman said to her, I mean, the child was the goel of Naomi from being lost, right? And, and this is what's going to take care of you in your old age, give you a future, and um, and, uh, new, and 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 she held it to her and became. And then what? And they gave him the name. It's so interesting. It was uh, it was like it's adopted by the people. Yeah. This child. Yeah. Right, and they even said, "Vikareshim of Israel may his name be continued in Israel," meaning may he have a reputation. And that's what the women said, as they said when the women said about Baruch Hashem Shelo Hishbit Lach Koel Ayom Vikareshim of Israel, right? And Ashelo Hishbit Lach Koel, right? No, what is that? So, what does it mean, Vikareshim of Israel? What did they say? Nothing? Is 
that where the phrase comes from for the Kibbutz? Oh, and they said, and Malbim says, Yemigdole Yisrael umeyanshe Hashem. Anshe Hashem meaning men of renown. Right? Meaning you'll be a great person. Right, so you see that the culmination is really this whole story is really a story about Naomi losing everything and getting it back. Right, abandoning her, her people with her family, losing everything, doing teshuvah, coming back, and then through the great root, being able to reestablish her legacy in Am Yisrael for the future through and Boaz and, and Boaz. Right. Maybe this is the paradigm of Teshuvah. That's what David is. Yeah. And then we have Ve'elet Toldot Peretz, Peretz, Olidet Chetzor. And that just gives you the, the, the names, right? Ve'elet Olidet Nachshon, Nachshon Olidet Salma. Et Salma, sorry. Ve'salmon Olidet Boaz, Boaz Olidet Oved, Oved Olidet Yishai, Yishai Olidet David. So it goes all the way back to Peretz. It goes all the way back to times of Yudah, showing, showing the generations. One, two, Yeah, Yeah, which is always the number of choice in the Tanakh of generations. Meaning a a change, meaning an era. Meaning an era. It is the Nachshon ben Aminadav, yeah. It is him. But it's quite possible that their generation skipped here. It depends. Yeah, I'm not so convinced that it's, uh, that it's exhausted. But it doesn't matter. They like the number 10. The Tanakh likes the number 10. There are 10 generations in Adam and Noah, Putin, Noah, and Aram, meaning the transition of, a, of a, an era, the tradition of it. But why is this? So ultimately, what is this really about? This is about people who care about, who put the, put the education the material well-being and the future legacy of Am Yisrael before everything else. Right? Above above their own personal interest and their own personal legacy. And that is the essence of what a Melech Yisrael has to be. That's the essence of what David has to be. He has to be a leader who is going to always put the education of Am Yisrael, the the well-being of Am Yisrael, and the future legacy of Am Yisrael and its continuity as Am Hashem before anything else. And that was what David really embodied in his own personal life. That's why he wrote Tehilim. That's why he lived the way that he lived in terms of his principled life. But even the writing of Tehilim, to give the Am Yisrael a literature that would inspire them and shape their experience of life around Abu Hashem, a music that would engage them. And he, he gave them a culture and a, a, and, a, and a polity, everything organized around and whenever he had the opportunity to utilize it for his own advantage, he refused, except for the one time when he sinned, which is why he was treated so harshly that time. Every other time, he sacrificed his own personal uh, advancement for the sake of the cause of establishing the benefit of Am Yisrael, both materially and spiritually. And, we, and you know, the Chazal describe him as always learning Torah, but you don't need the Chazal, because in Tehillim it's full of it, about how much he learns Torah, he loves Torah, he's always learning, and he's... All of these things about his learning of Torah, Torah Tashem Tzmima, all these beautiful Pesukim are from David Melech. So, all, and of course he had Shlomo, who was also a devotee of, of Chuchma and wanted to build the kingdom and educated the kingdom to the point that Malkat Shiva said, wow, these people are so... And brought it to the heights of material prosperity. He failed ultimately because he got lost in his own political ambitions and personal, personal limitations that he overestimated himself. But, but David never really fell that far. He's, that's why he's the, 
so we see that from this, and, and, and that's the thing, the, it, the roots of, no pun intended, the roots of both sides of the family, roots and Boaz, are relationships in which the women, especially, the women were concerned about future legacy, about the future, put that ahead of their own interests. And that's where Boaz comes from, and that's where Ruth comes from. And so the combination between them, I mean, he comes from uh, Tamar and Yehuda, she comes from Moab, they both combine that. And if you think about it, Yehuda himself even is an example of that, because even Yehuda, Nachshon is in the Midrash, but, right. but Yehuda, even in the literal thing, that he jumped in the water first. That Yehuda is like that too, because look at what he did in last week's parasha, where he basically said, I, for the continuity of the family, there's, uh, this is the last spark of tikvah and hope for, uh, for the Jewish people and for the shivteka that there's going to be anything. I need to, uh, I need to sacrifice myself and become an evid to this Mitzri guy so that Binyamin can go home, because otherwise my father's not going to be able to continue the project of the Zionist entity. Of, uh, of an Am uh, that's devoted to Hashem. Right? So here you see, Ruth wants to become part of this nation and, and Boaz is the educator and the leader of this nation and they're thinking only about the benefit and the, the long-term legacy of, uh, of Am Yisrael. Naomi especially, but through Ruth is living out, this, like, living out this dream of becoming a partner. She, a person who realized the value actually of that attitude, learning it the hard way, learn the value of Am Yisrael and the value of the relationship with God and the value of uh, of you know Torah and, and living in Eretz Yisrael from learning it the hard way was wanted to ensure a legacy for herself and and for the future and Boaz wanted that and and together they uh, they combined even though Boaz and Naomi under normal circumstances if it had not been for Ruth would have both given up they would have both had nothing left of them though. But they, they were able to see a way to make it happen that there would be a, a future. And because they thought beyond themselves, they, the, Hashem, the, the Hashem made it happen for them. And, and that's, what a, that's what a true leader has to be. A true leader has to be a person who thinks about the welfare of the Am before themselves in all of its aspects. And also thinks about the future of, of the Am. Let's see, and I think it's beautiful. You know, it ties all these these threads together. Kaddish. Now what?